Welcome back into the Locked On Clemson podcast. Still in the glow of the recruiting advantages that Clemson is enjoying. National Signing Day celebration for the Tigers. Never mind the fact Brad Brownell and company rolled up to Charlottesville and got bruised last night, 51-44. to Never mind that Amir Sims seems to be the only scoring threat for that team. We've got plenty of football and baseball news today here on the Locked On Clemson Podcast. Matt Smith here with you to take you through our day in football news, recruiting, some staff changes, and the ACC coaches poll is out as well. So let's get right to it. Bad news, good news first. Which one you want? Let's go quickly to the bad news. Yeah, the basketball team can't score. All right. That's kind of indisputable at this moment. We, we talked yesterday about how Brad Brownell needed to find creative ways to generate offense with this team. They didn't do it. 44 points for the second game in a row. And how about these starts in back-to-back game? This is why we talked about film study and the adjustments. Coach Brownell is still doing a great job with halftime adjustments, and the players are responding. But something's going on. There's something on film showing these other teams they can neutralize what Clemson does offensively, not the least of which is the fact that they're not hitting any three-pointers at the moment or drawing fouls. They just can't drive the ball. They're not creating anything offensively. We talked about that way back at the beginning of the season, which was you've got to get ball movement because you just don't have penetration. You just don't – you don't have Marquise Reed this year. You've got Amir Sims. You've got to get him the ball, and you've got to swing it around until you get guys like Hunter Tyson open looks or Curran Scott open looks, and I mean wide open looks where they can step into it because nobody's knocking down threes at this moment. But how about these starts for Clemson in back-to-back games? This is why we said it's about film study, and there's something on film these other teams are picking up because Clemson scored 19 points in the first half against Wake Forest, 14 points. 14 at Virginia in the first half. You cannot win like that. And yes, it is cold shooting, but it's also about not finding the open man and finding open looks and having stagnant offense. So that's something Coach Brownell is going to have to deal with. I didn't think Clemson was going to win that game anyway, so I don't think it changes my projection as to what they've got to do and, and the goals in front of them to try to make the NCAA or NIT tournaments. But Clemson also has to find an answer for Virginia. The Tigers have now lost 10 consecutive games to the Cavaliers. And how about this? Clemson just 1-6 on the road this season. 11-11 overall, 5-7 in the ACC, 1-6 on the road. That's not good enough. Hit just 21% of their threes against Virginia 32% field goal percentage overall after shooting 31% at Wake Forest. Next game is Notre Dame. Back at home, Clemson has played well at Little John Coliseum. All right, how about the good news? More on recruiting, and I know you want to know about the future of Clemson football. We've got some staff changes, promotions, and raises to talk about on that college football staff for Clemson, one of the best in college football. Not only do you have Dabo Sweeney at the top, spearheading that group, now Tony Elliott gets a raise and deservedly. Coach Tony Elliott now the highest paid offensive coordinator 
in college football an average of $1.7 million over the course of his contract now. I guess over the full term of his contract. So congratulations to Coach Elliott, who is great with us, I mean the media this year. Uh, very patient, willing to talk about everything in postgame. Uh, so Coach Elliott you know, gave us a lot of good stuff, a lot of great insight into what he was thinking, what worked, what didn't work at the end of each game. Uh, for the Tigers this year, so it was outstanding uh, having Coach Elliott with us. And, of course, Coach Scott was with us. It's going to be a little bit quieter in there because we used to have to uh, talk to each of them at the same time as co-offensive coordinators. Now it's going to be Coach Elliott's show on offense, and that's why he's going to have to earn that $1.7 million. Also, Tyler Grisham in the fold is the new receivers coach as Jeff Scott is exiting. So Tyler Grisham takes over. And you remember what Grisham was like as a player. If he's anything uh, as good a coach as he was a player, he's going to be a true benefit to that staff. He'll be a great asset. Uh, Kyle Richardson, who was an offensive analyst, takes Brad Scott's role as associate athletic director because Coach Scott is going with the other Coach Scott. Brad Scott going with his son, uh, son Jeff Scott down to South Florida. Brent Venables gets a uh, a raise as well. He gets one year, or an extension, really. The per year doesn't change, but they've added one year to his term up to uh, 2025, the beginning of 2025, so after the 2024 season. And uh, Coach Venables not going anywhere. His son is, is just uh, signed to play safety at Clemson. So uh, Brent Venables, probably the best defensive coordinator in all of college football, Seventh highest paid, oh no, third highest paid assistant overall, and uh, deservedly so. Only one defensive coordinator makes more money than uh, Brent Venables. It was Dave Aranda. Now it is Kevin Steele. How about that name? Former defensive coordinator for Clemson. Uh, Defensive coordinator now at Auburn. You know they'll pay. They'll pay. It's always not just coaches. They'll pay. So there you go. Kevin Steele, highest paid assistant uh, or or defensive coordinator, and Brent Venables, number two on that list. And also, Todd Bates is now the recruiting coordinator in addition to his role as the defensive line coach. This on the heels of being named recruiter of the year by rivals. So his hard work is being rewarded. And he'll now be the recruiting coordinator for Clemson in addition to the defensive line coach. And that defensive line, it's not just that one group. Look at the names that are coming in this year. Brian Breezy's a five-star. You've got Trey Williams, who Coach Sweeney talked about yesterday. We played some audio of that on this podcast about his personality and what he expects there. And the defensive line has improved. Grace Rayner of The Athletic asked Coach Sweeney about that. What's the difference? Why does it seem? that the defensive line has been the difference. We talk about this with Will Merritt sometimes, who was an all-ACC lineman who played with great offensive teams. And Rich Rodriguez was his offensive coordinator. And Will talked about this. Offense was never their problem. Offense was never the problem at Clemson after the Danny Ford era. Okay, after Danny Ford and you move on, of course, Coach Ford always had great defenses. And then you moved on. Clemson lost its way a little bit, lost its identity defensively. But they've obviously gotten it back under Brent Venables. But it's not just what's going on on the whiteboard with Brent Venables. It's about that level of talent and the products 
that they're bringing in along that defensive line. And what it allows Coach Venables to do is do whatever he wants in terms of blitz packages when you've got a great defensive line. Now, Clemson did not have an elite defensive line last year because it was kind of the in-between year. But they will probably have one this year. And they certainly did two seasons ago winning the national championship on the strength of that defensive line, which gave Alabama, which gave Alabama nothing on third and short or fourth and short. So let's hear what Coach Sweeney had to say when asked, what has changed? Why is it that Clemson now went from being a school that had to do with a lot of fast-twitch athletes in the back seven to all of a sudden the defensive line recruits, the prospects that come into Clemson right up into the finished product? What has changed? What's clicking? What works now that wasn't working before? Evaluation. I mean, I think that's the really the big key. Uh, we've been on the, we've been on the right guys, and um, you know, really not just the last couple of years. Really, since I've been the head coach, I think. I mean, I just think our ability now to go and you know, ten years ago we weren't going to go get Brian Brzee. Uh Ten years ago we weren't going to get Christian Wilkins. You know. Um, so we've had to really evaluate well, and um, you know Grady Jarrett. Uh, uh, we've, we've had and then development. Grady, Deshaun, Josh Watson, you know Miguel, uh, Malachi, uh, Shaq. You know we've had some Dodd. Dodd was a guy I don't even think anybody even knew who he was, and he was a great player. And Vic uh, was a developmental guy. So I mean I think we had to really evaluate well. Um, and you know, occasionally we got the guy that that everybody wanted, but but not not all the time. Um, so so evaluation and development has been our key. And then as as we've had success, you know, we've been able to get uh, more of a finished uh, product type of a guy. Uh, you know, a Christian Wilkins, a Dexter Lawrence, you know, Andre Branch. I go back to Andre. You know, Andre was a two star recruit. Um, that. Uh, so that, that's the biggest difference is just, is just the guys, a lot of these guys coming in now. Now, we took two developmental guys last year in Rook and E.T., you know, really high potential guys, but they, they only played football their junior and senior in high school. You know, they were soccer players and basketball players, but high potential, so, uh, but definitely developmental. And some of these guys now that we're signing, they're, they're, uh, they're just – you know, <laughs> much further along uh, when you when you watch them, and, you know, and that's but that's why everybody in the country is recruiting them. Is they're just kind of guys that can you know, like a Christian, like a Dexter, who who can pretty much help you the day they show up. Um, so, you know, that's the biggest difference. Our evaluation is still critical. Our development is still critical, but we're just you know where we are brand wise, we're, we're just attracting more of a. Um, a finished guy. They're already in French field goal range. And Lawrence, thought one, dumps it over the middle. ETN in space. ETN, 10, Reeves, touchdown Tigers! A championship drive from the defending champs. This is the Locked On Clemson podcast. Still looking back and reflecting on Clemson's victories on National Signing Day. What a great job they have done and are doing 
And uh, again, Todd Bates rewarded for that, now named the recruiting coordinator in addition to what he's doing on the defensive line. All those raises and extensions for the coaching staff, all well-deserved, and the machine continues to roll there at Clemson, crushing what's in its past. And we talked yesterday quite a bit about the distance, too, between Clemson and the rest of the ACC. And it's not just about the recruiting, but do you anticipate any of the schools that are even within shouting distance of Clemson in the recruiting rankings, do you expect them to be all buttoned up in player development, in retaining those players, in making the right choices, in finding the right quarterback for their system, in having the stability at head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, recruiting coordinator that Clemson has had and is having and is enjoying right now? I don't. Now, North Carolina Maybe laying in the weeds, but of course, Clemson doesn't have to play North Carolina every season as they're over in the coastal. Florida State, they've got to get it going with Mike Norvell. And is Manny Diaz, is he finding out why with the Miami Hurricanes, even though you can throw a rock and hit a five-star athlete down there in South Beach, why is it they continue to struggle and with consistency and finding good quarterback play down there? In Miami, that continues to happen. Manny Diaz is finding out all about it. All right, so baseball news as well. Clemson finished, uh, or hasn't finished, Clemson has been projected to finish in a tie for fourth by the ACC coaches. I love Monty Lee. Uh, I love what he's doing with Clemson, and he talked earlier uh, this month about the athleticism of this team. Not necessarily that they're all Blazers, but that everybody's a decent athlete that he's going to put out there, which leads them to do some different things, hit and run. I just, it's one of those things. It's, you know, we were talking about generating offense for the basketball team. When you have good athletes, it just raises the level of the team play overall. Why? Because those guys are just a half step better defensively. They're cutting things off in the gap, saving extra base defensively for your pitchers. Offensively, they might take an extra base. If they're good athletes and they're smart players and you don't have a lot of guys clogging up the base pass, nothing is more frustrating for a dugout. And I can tell you this as a former college baseball player. Nothing's more frustrating as a dug, in a dugout than when you've got someone on first base and one of and, – and, and, one of your teammates at the plate drives a ball in the gap. Looks like he might even get three bases. And right off the bat, as the ball leaves the bat and heads toward the gap, and you start to see those outfielders' numbers as they turn around and have to chase it down, dig it out of the bottom of the fence. Nothing's more frustrating than looking up and realizing it's your first baseman or it's your chubby third baseman that's not getting around the base pass from first base and can't score, especially with two outs. And then you need another hit to bring in a run. That just eats at a dugout when a double can't score a runner from first. Clemson may not have that problem because they're going to be good athletically this season. Again, not all burners, not all blazers, but everybody's good athletically. A lot of great balance there, and, and Monty Lee's excited about that. Also might lead to some more hit and runs, um, just some more things that you can do 
if you don't have anybody clogging up the base paths and everybody is making solid contact and you've got some depth to the, to the pitching staff. I know there's been some injuries, but there should be some depth with the arms there. So uh, if not dominant frontline starters when compared to the rest of the ACC. And speaking of the rest of the ACC, the uh, ACC Atlantic coaches poll has Louisville at the top. Florida State picked second. Those two, no surprises there. Uh, and Florida State's great history. Not not of winning the College World Series. We're looking at you, Mike Martin. But a great history in uh, Florida State baseball of making to the College World Series and being a threat from the very moment they joined the ACC in baseball. Louisville, great run a season ago. They're back. They're bringing a lot of pieces back, and they're a tremendous program. Uh, new to the scene, not a classic, not a legendary blue-blooded program, but uh, – they, they are doing now in baseball what they used to do in basketball, which is compete near the top every year. NC State picked to finish third, and Clemson and Wake Forest picked to finish in a tie for fourth place. Miami, by the way, picked to win the Coastal Division. And if you're curious, Notre Dame is a part of the ACC scene in baseball. There are seven teams in each division in ACC baseball because Syracuse doesn't sponsor baseball. So you have that. Play a lot more lacrosse up there. Uh, they probably have to play indoors if they did play. All right, let's get back to Dabo Sweeney a little bit. I like hearing from him all the things that he had to say at his press conference about uh, recruiting, the recruiting calendar, and uh, and also as he spins it forward to what this team is going to look like come spring practice and all the competition that they're going to have with all of this talent. And let's let's get right back to recruiting and that recruiting calendar because I think it's important for us to understand Dabo Sweeney's vision, and he's told us about it before, and it took him a while. It took us a while to see what he was trying to accomplish, but what he's done now in recruiting and the way he's so selective and the way he handles recruiting, he finally has it right where he wants it, and one of the major advantages that Dabo Sweeney has right now is his ability to get players to commit to him, program commits to them, then he can spin it forward and get a head start on everybody else in 2021, 2022, and beyond. And here's Dabo Sweeney's thoughts on the recruiting calendar and what an advantage it was to have everybody signed before yesterday ever came around. It's changed our January for the better uh, because, you know, our guys, they, they've all signed. And, uh, and so now instead of spending all of January – you know, uh, riding around, you know, chasing. Cause a lot of our guys are mid-years too. You know, for whatever reason, that's kind of the what what happens uh, in today's culture. Um, so last year, I think we had 17 mid-years. This year, we got 15. So most of those guys would be signing anyway in here. Um, so the opportunity those guys have to, to get it out of the way, it's been it's been great. It's been great for us. It's been great for them. And uh, so. We, we still go see those guys in January that aren't here yet, but really it allows us to kind of get a head start in our evaluation for next year's class and start, you know, really working hard on that due diligence and zeroing in on, on uh, next year's group. This is the Locked On Clemson podcast, 
And again, looking back on Clemson's National Signing Day, these players, as you spin it forward, what kind of talent Clemson is bringing in. They finished third in the 24-7 composite rankings. And you heard in our last segment why it is that Clemson has the advantages they have based on the recruiting calendar now that they have taken advantage of by being a team that commits to players, forcing those players, and I don't mean forcing with that negative connotation, I mean putting the ball in the player's court and being and both the player and the team being very selective, but once they commit, they lock it in. You both turn your keys, everybody's locked in, and that enables Clemson to spin it forward get a head start, and once a player now, with Clemson playing in the college football playoff five seasons in a row, once a player sees that Clemson letter or sees Dabo Sweeney's face or in the future sees Todd Bates' face, the new recording coordinator, when they see Tony Elliott, when they see Brent Venables, when they see Robbie Caldwell, when they see Tyler Grisham, those players are going to be excited that Clemson is interested in them. And Clemson gets to do that, target those players. The evaluation, as you heard Coach Sweeney say today, is up. And they're a monster right now. They're an absolute leviathan in terms of brand and in terms of a recruiting machine. Just chewing them up. And we'll hear a little bit more from Dabo Sweeney here because I want you to hear this. And I know Coach Sweeney can go on a bit. But there's a lot of important stuff in here from Coach Sweeney about this class, about the team, how they handled the loss, moving forward, and why he loves the fact that now Clemson, with these ACC championships and making it to the college football playoff and playing in championship games, are one of the last teams to leave the field but one of the first teams to get back at it, throw the pads on, and get cracking again in early spring. And, uh, you know, we'll end up adding um, probably three or four three or four walk-on guys uh, between now and summer, uh, you know, as well. So uh, just a really good group. And uh, as I always say, uh, time will tell. You know, everybody – wants to put rankings and all that stuff on, on these classes uh, coming out of high school, which obviously that's all based on potential, uh, what people you know, think they can do. And as we all know, this is a developmental game. Uh, you know, Garoppolo, I just saw in the Super Bowl, I think he was a two-star recruit. And where'd he go? Eastern somewhere, Illinois or something like that. Uh, uh, so, you know, it just – it's it's a it's a very subjective process, uh, influenced by many many factors, uh, and so we try to just stay focused on the things that that we look for, and um, and sometimes it matches up with what everybody else thinks, and sometimes it doesn't. But I think at the end of the day, uh, this is a really really good class that I think over time uh, will prove to be a special group. I think we all think they're a special group right now, but. You know, over time, you have to prove that. And, and that's why I always say you should, you should rank the classes, you know, four years later because then it's truly about performance. It's about graduation. It's about um, development and, and all those things. And uh, I don't know. I think The Athletic just did an article. Uh, I'm not sure if you wrote it or not, Grace. I have no idea who wrote it. Uh, okay. Well, I, whoever Max is, I don't know who Max is, but, but – uh, um, um, somebody sent it to me. Uh, who sent that article to me? But it was great. Uh, 
And uh, but basically, I guess they took the 2016 class. I think we were 11th, uh, according to the article. And on the re-rank four years later, we were one. Um, and you know, so there you go. Uh, you just, I just think, you know, if you sign the 15th class today, hey, you'd be, just be excited about the class that you got and uh, the guys that came to, to play for you. Um, but uh, that's just how I look at it. Uh, again, I think that. Uh, you got to go prove and earn that stuff uh, over the course of time. But I love this group, and I do think um, they will prove to be one of the best groups we've had and, one, and, and allow us to continue to be one of the uh, most consistent uh, programs in the country on and off the field because uh, these are a bunch of really good students that are coming in here and I think young people that are driven uh, to be excellent in everything that, that, they, that they do. Uh, so uh, in recruiting, it's always critical to fill your needs. And I think that we've done that for sure uh, with the breakdown of this class. It's always hard to walk away from, you know, other great players. That's the hard part um, because there's a lot of good, really, really good players that, that, you know, we we would have could have come to Clemson. Uh, but you know, we try to recruit uh, to a number and um, and and you know just you know fill our needs. And I think we were able to do that for sure with these 23 guys. Um, and uh, but what I love more about this group is I always say, you know, let's recruit people first, players second. And I think we got a bunch of great, great young people that just happen to be good, good football players. And so that's what I'm excited about, uh, especially, um, you know, going around and spending time with them and, and, and being uh, around their families and so forth. But um, last year's class, we had 14 states represented this year, 12 states. Uh, so, you know, and Canada. Uh, and Canada, and uh, you know, so uh, Tony and Jeff, uh, Tony and Jeff, Tony and Grish, uh, Tony and Grish went up to, to Canada, I guess last week, um, and uh, so you know that's just really cool uh, for me. Uh, again, going into my 18th season here at Clemson, and and just just where our brand is, um, and the fact that we can um, you know go out to California. And, and recruit uh, great players or go to Texas and get a great player or go to Connecticut or go to Canada or, or, or wherever. Um, I just think it's just, it's just really, really cool. But with the criteria that we have in place, with the fit that we're looking for, um, with the academic uh, expectations and the value of education and all those things that we value and have in place here, uh, you know, we, we, we've as our brand has grown, it has allowed us to expand and really uh, be very selective on um, you know, who gets the opportunity to come here. Uh, and the kids that we are recruiting, they have the opportunity to be very selective too. Uh, so it's been a pretty good fit for us um, you know, these last couple of years. But, man, a great group. Uh, we signed one quarterback, as you know, two running backs, six offensive linemen, one tight end. Uh, two wide outs, four defensive linemen, three linebackers, two safeties, and two corners. Uh, so, um, and then soccer signed a kicker that we expect to, to be able to help us as well. So we're excited about uh, all of that. And uh, again, just very thankful. I, I, I don't think you can uh, overstate that enough. Very thankful for this group of young men, this group uh, of families that uh, really came together and a lot of these guys I mean they've formed great relationships already uh, so I'm just thankful for them that, that uh, they chose to come and uh, be a part of what we have here at Clemson.
the 15 mid-years that are here is, is going to be a lot of fun. We've got a bunch of guys in that group that I think will have the uh, potential to help us for sure. And uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to create a ton of competition uh, this spring. And that's just the way it is. You know, it doesn't matter what you did last year, whether you won a national championship or you went three and, and, and uh, uh, nine. It really doesn't matter. You know, you got to start over and you have to go and earn it all over again. And it's really that way at every level of football. Um, because you have a new team, you have new people, you have development, guys get better. Uh, and so forth. Uh, so I'm excited about it. And again, having those guys here is going to be awesome. Um, and uh, this roster is, is pretty much here. We've got, I guess, uh, what is it? I guess eight, uh, nine, eight, eight mid-years, uh, or excuse me, eight summer enrollees that will come uh, this summer uh, to, to join the group. So and uh, we, we pretty much have the entire roster here this spring. Uh, so we're really fortunate in that because that allows us to practice um, in a very competitive way and, uh, and, and, and develop our team. Uh, so I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to it. Uh, right now, as our roster sits and everything kind of settles out, and uh, I have no idea. Sometimes a guy will come to you, to, you know, after spring ball or something and tell you he's not going to come back or, and those type of things. And I, I don't I, I can never predict those things. You know, <laughs> Logan Rudolph's going to go. He's going to go be the new rock. You know, he's going to be in the movies. Uh, I didn't see that coming. Uh, you know, although although if that's what he wants to do, uh, you better watch out because he'll probably he'll probably be the next action hero. Uh, I'm putting my money on him. That's for sure. So, you know, sometimes things happen and, and you just don't under You don't know uh, and you can't predict it. But where our roster sits right now, assuming everybody's back between now and in the fall, um, you know, of our 120, we're going to have 42 seniors and juniors and 78 freshmen and sophomores. Um, so that, that, that right now is the breakdown. And, uh, again, that could change. Our uh, all-in drills, our mat drills will start next Wednesday. Uh, that's always fun for us, kind of first time to kind of get back on the field with our guys and, and uh, start doing some, some football movement stuff and, and really start kind of building uh, the makeup of this team. And uh, we're going to start practice February 26th. So it's kind of become our norm. We're, we're, we're the last off. And I don't know if anybody's starting before that, but if we're not the first, we're one of the first, you know, back on the field. And I love that. 